0: Bye, Sam, Sam, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Shame you had to go. Bye-bye, Sammy boy.
1: Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin.
2: I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it it is on?
1: Uh, You bet you are. Uh, You bet I am.
2: I don't like it.
1: Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate.
3: Well, may we say God save the Queen.
0: Because nothing
2: will save the Governor-General. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On?, our last episode for 2017. We're recording this on the morning of Friday, the 15th of December. My name is Alice Workman and I'm sitting in the BuzzFeed office in Parliament House. And joining me from Sydney is Lane Sainty. Lane this is it—the last episode of the year. I know we've come so far over the over the course of the year, Alice. Now it's uh it's been a long year, Lane, but it is can nearly <laughs> over. It has, yeah, nearly over.
4: Yeah, yeah. Look, I think I think everyone's pretty pretty keen for this year to end when it comes to the kind of. Political media sphere.
2: Mm. Hopefully,
4: there are some professions out there who, who aren't really yearning for the year to end. I, I like to think that there aren't, but you know, there they're probably aren't. Everyone's probably just hanging out for it. So,
2: well, Lane, yeah. I asked Twitter what the most Ozpol tweeted topics were. And if you had mm. to guess, Lane, what do you think number one would be? Same sex marriage? Yeah, of course. Ozpol tweeted topics. I would say marriage. Number one was tax, number two was <laughs> coal, number three was gas. Number four was coal seam gas. Number five was energy. Number six was same-sex marriage. Number seven was power. Number eight was marriage equality. Number nine was manis. And number 10 was stop Adani. Lane, I think maybe mm. we've really done the punters wrong this year and should have talked more about energy and tax.
4: Well, yes, though I would contend that there's two in there to do with marriage and it's just that people kind of didn't get it together with the kind of one hashtag so i would be interested <laughs> to see if you combine ssm with marriage equality number, six what that adds number up to eight is.
2: right okay yeah All right. Well, that's but but no that, that is
4: very interesting number one tax mm. very interesting
2: tax tax yeah. everyone although, loves tax although, well everyone hates tax <laughs> do do they everyone everyone loves a, a tax cut but everyone hates a tax yeah,
4: Maybe. look, I don't know. A great big new tax. No one likes it.
2: <laughs> well, as I mentioned, this is our last episode of the year. And in a minute, we'll do a wrap of Ospol 2017 with Herald Sun political reporter Rob Harris and Michael Cosio from the Sydney Morning Herald. They'll give us their winners and losers and the final verdict of whether it is on. 2017. But let's kick off with this week's Fast Five. And number one is Sam Dastiari has resigned. That's right, Labor Senator for New South Wales, Sam Dastiari resigned from the Senate. Here is what he said on Tuesday.
5: Today, after much reflection, I've decided that the best service I can render to the Federal Parliamentary Labor Party is to not return to the Senate in 2018. I have not reached this decision lightly. But in my deliberations, I've
0: been guided by my Labor values, which tell me that I should leave if my ongoing presence detracts from the pursuit of Labor's mission. It is evident to me we are at that point, so I will spare the party any further distraction
2: so what did sam dasiari do that necessitated him having to leave parliament he hasn't been charged with a crime or investigated for a crime or even really accused of a crime the allegation was that he'd become too close to chinese donors who were linked with the chinese government and you look his labor colleagues were pretty fed up with the continuing stories about him there was a story that he provided counter surveillance advice including telling a donor to leave his phone behind when they were having lunch because it might be being tapped uh, there was also a story that he didn't follow Labour's party policy on the South China Sea during a press conference last year and, of course, last year's stories that have come back to haunt him about how he asked Chinese donors to pay a personal bill for him. The main donor in question is billionaire Huang Jiang Mo. Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten and other senior coalition figures have held functions and fundraisers with the same Chinese donor and, and taken his money. Matthias Cormann met him last year before he donated $20,000 to the senator before the election. Uh, Labor's Linda Burney, who we had on the podcast, also met with him before she joined federal parliament and he gave a sizable donation to the Labor Party then as well. But here's what Bill Shorten had to say about Sam Dastyari's resignation. thank
1: you go back to an earlier answer I gave. Fourteen months ago, when it came to light that Senator Dastyari had ex- exercised uh, some poor judgement, uh, we removed him and encouraged him to step down from the front bench. Then more recently, two weeks ago, when further examples of poor judgement came to light, there's no doubt in my mind that I took the right step. Now I think Senator Dastiari has taken the right step himself. There's been lots of discussions but let me be clear, it's Senator D'Astiari's decision to uh, resign his spot. I mean, I think he'd appreciate the Labor Party or any political party can demote its MPs, but the Senator was elected by New South Wales. He has to make the decision to resign, and he has. The
0: President of the dropped in his press this morning, so how coordinated was the push?
1: Well, I think, I don't know if you were at the press conference we did at the ryde hospital on Friday, and I forgive you for not reading every one of my transcripts, but what I said on Friday unequivocally, in answer to similar questions is, In my opinion, Senator Dastyari's career was going nowhere fast.
2: Bill Shorten also accused Malcolm Turnbull of having China-phobia.
1: Government's intemperate China-phobia.
2: But, Lane, Malcolm Turnbull said, I can't have China-phobia. My granddaughter is of Chinese descent.
0: You could not imagine modern Australia without the contribution of one million Australians of Chinese ancestry, um, one of whom, of course, is our granddaughter. This is... there is. Chinese investment is uh, is, is uh, readily available in Australia. We have the strongest uh, economic, uh, family, social uh, relationships with China and with Chinese people.
2: The Sydney Morning Herald's Peter Harcher says that the Sam Dastiari story is really a case study in what foreign influence buying looks like.
0: In a perverse way, done our country a favour, David. He's given us a live case study of what foreign influence and foreign influence buying looks like and how it operates. In response he's galvanised the federal government into creating new protections uh, for our system, our country, our democracy in uh, the form of the foreign interference bill that the Prime Minister uh, introduced on Thursday, uh, in the form of the finally getting around to a ban on foreign political donations, it was extraordinary that Australia would still allow them. Uh, but that's now going to be attended to, and uh, some other uh, important national defences as well against uh, foreign intrusion.
2: So, who is likely to replace Sam Dastyari in the Senate? Well, the suggestions include Christina Keneally, former New South Wales Premier and current candidate in Benelong. Uh, she could get the Senate seat if she doesn't win on Saturday. She says she's been offered Senate seats by the Labor Party in the past and always turned them down, but this time she has refused to rule anything in or out until after the election result comes in. And it's funny because a few months ago, the Canberra Times did um, a story about how she was considering a move to Canberra for the new, the new third lower house seat that they're going to introduce at the next federal election. So it seems like Christina Keneally has a lot of options at the moment. Um, yeah, it really does. There's seats galore. <laughs> Tara Moriarty, who is the Secretary of the Union United Voice and who was next on the Labor Senate ticket from the last election. She is uh, also one of the, the top picks to to fill Sam Dastyari's spot. And another one is Michael Fullalove, the Executive Director of the Lowy Institute in Sydney. Now, New South Wales Parliament needs to sign off on the replacement and they aren't expected to hold a joint sitting until February, so it could be a while off before we know who actually gets the seat. But speaking of February, as Julie Bishop mentioned before, the coalition isn't happy that Sam Dastyari isn't leaving immediately and giving up his 200K a year salary. Over the next eight weeks, it is likely to stay on. Sam Dastyari is going to earn $30,000 in salary, 14000 in benefits and also access to flights and cars. Um mm. Labor are arguing that the timing of Sam's resignation has nothing to do with who might fill the vacancy. It's just what normally happens. You know, other people that have left Parliament in the past spend, you know, eight weeks kind of cleaning everything up from their electoral office. And and they said, you know, if Malcolm Turnbull really wanted him gone, then he could get New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian to recall Parliament and hold the joint sitting to appoint the new person. But great news, Lane. America is talking all about this.
0: Australia, where a member of Parliament resigned after there were accusations made that not only had he tipped off a Chinese national of some alleged uh, intelligence operation being conducted against him, but that he perhaps allegedly had received cash from a wealthy Chinese national, which he had used to pay off personal debts. Um, Again, no evidence that that has occurred in the United States, but that level of influence, trying to play in the politics and nurture a view and individuals who hold views friendly to the narrative they're trying to put out that you have seen evidence of absolutely that
2: was a former republican presidential candidate marco rubio who i always joke looks like labor mp ed husic do a google <laughs> do yourself a favor and have a google um now yep. that was marco rubio during a bipartisan congressional executive commission on china which was hearing evidence of the growing communist party influence in the u.s But finally, I think it's worth noting that since the double dissolution election last year, 13 out of 76 Senators have left. Victorian Labor Senator Stephen Conroy resigned. WA Liberal Chris Back resigned. South Australian Family First Senator Bob Day got done under Section 44. So did WA One Nation uh, Senator Rod Culliton. Greens, WA, Scott Ludlam got done on Section 4. So did Greens, Queenslander, Larissa Waters. New South Wales, Nat Fiona Nash. Queensland, One Nation's Malcolm Roberts. South Australia's Nick Xenophon, uh, Nick Xenophon team leader, Nick Xenophon, resigned. Tasmanian Liberal, Stephen Parry, went under 44. Tasmanian, uh, Jackie Lambie did. So did Nick Xenophon, South Australian, Sky Kokoschke-Moore. And then finally, New South Wales Labor, Senator Sam Dastyari resigned. So, 13 out of 76. Uh, Jesus. Pretty the Senate...
4: Is dropping like flies. Yeah,
2: it's pretty cooked. It's pretty cooked. What is number two? It is
4: pretty cooked. Number two, Alice, is the Benelong by-election. As you said at the start of the podcast, it's been a long time. The election's happening this Saturday. The Prime Minister said this week that losing the Benelong by-election would mean Bill Shorten would be very close to becoming Prime Minister.
0: It is a tight race. We've always said that. Uh, and the, there is a very high cost in voting Labor in Benelong because if... Uh, if Labour were to win in Benelong, uh, then Bill Shorten would become very close to becoming Prime Minister. We can't afford to have a shortened government. Higher taxes, less investment, less employment, a war on business, he's proclaimed. Australia can't afford that risk.
4: Losing Benelong means losing the one-seat majority Malcolm Turnbull scraped over the line with at last year's federal election. So it is looking more and more likely, and things are getting pretty close. Polling this week, the primary vote is neck and neck at 50-50, but a reach-tell poll, and Labor's internals, puts Christina Keneally behind 53-47. So it could come down to the preference flows. And in the days before the poll, things are turning increasingly dirty and personal. The New South Wales Liberal Party has launched a web website under KK's name, ChristinaKeneally.com that attacks her over her time in New South Wales Parliament, especially for her ties to Eddie Obeed and Ian McDonald. Now Keneally says it was her testimony at ICAC that put those two power brokers behind bars and she's focused in on government cuts to health and education. The Liberals have also made scratch cards, like lottery scratch cards, with some negative stuff written on them about Keneally, and Labor's put out a heavily edited video of a John Alexander press conference saying, I'm finally going to tell the truth. Now, earlier in this campaign, the Daily Telegraph reported that Keneally had lied about the wait time at Medicare, and this week, James Masola from Fairfax reported that John Alexander has failed to declare thousands of dollars in rental income from his 4.8 dollars dollar, eight million, eight-bedroom, 100-acre property in the Southern Highlands. Now, John Alexander declared the purchase on the 20th of June, 2017, but never declared a dollar of income from renting out the House, despite Parliament's register of members' interests specifically requiring members of Parliament to declare any other substantial sources of income. And since June, the House has been available to rent Alice on websites like Stays for $1,440 per day. You can look it up. Unfortunately, for interested punters out there, it is fully booked for December and January. It has a swimming pool, five bathrooms, a billiards room, media room, formal library and outdoor entertainment areas. Now, John Alexander has told Fairfax that he received rental income, but he won't say how much. Christina Keneally said that Malcolm Turnbull has accused her of everything. Here she is. I mean, Malcolm Turnbull has uh, managed to accuse me of everything short of saying it wasn't the dingo, it was Keneally. That's an interesting dingo ate my baby reference there <laughs> from the American born Christina Keneally. It is, isn't it? It is, it is. There's been a lot of great sound bites coming out of this by-election.
2: Oh my God. And the one mm. and the one that I struggle to find, so we can't play it to you guys, is John Alexander getting all defensive the other day about how Christina Keneally was at a high school and said that John Alexander was invited but didn't turn up and he held a press conference later in the day being like what would she know i i bought those table tennis tables that I I, I I play on them with with my son it was
4: so stupid yeah. i bought the table tennis tables <laughs> truly a, a, a line that will go down in political history <laughs> now could all the talk of china and foreign influence impact saturday's poll Potentially. Benelong has a twenty one percent Chinese population compared to the state average five point two per cent. The final word on the by election goes to Bronwyn Bishop. Here she is. We've got a hope
1: from this by election is that people will realise that socialism is a disaster
4: for the nation. Reject a ding ding ding, Alice. <laughs> it's the socialism bell. <laughs> Someone sound it. I think I think it's time that somebody made a compilation of all the things that Bronwyn Bishop has called socialist. What do you reckon, Alice? Okay. What's number three?
2: Number three is a quick citizenship update. Now, the High Court has delayed its decision on who should take the Senate seats of Tasmanian Stephen Parry and Jackie Lambie. Now, both were disqualified over their dual British citizen status. Uh, And there's no question that the Liberal Party's Richard Colbeck is qualified to take over from Stephen Parry. But there are question marks over the replacement for Jackie Lambie, which is Devonport Mayor Steve Martin. Now, there's questions over whether his position as a local government mayor puts him in breach of section 44 of the constitution as well which is what did in fiona nash's first replacement holly hughes but steve martin's lawyers are arguing that he's a different case than hers so that's all still unresolved and the high court says it's not going to declare anyone for either of those two seats until next year and another issue with the replacement of uh Those two seats is what order the senators are going to go into the list and whether they get six or three year terms, which has been the reason for the delay in Fiona Nash's actual replacement, Jim Molan, being sworn in for either three or six years. So, what is uh, number
4: four? Number four, Alice, is wedding bells. So, same sex marriage has been legal for a
2: week. gonna get... Yeah, well, people
4: actually are going, well, maybe not to a chapel, but people actually are getting married. Um, so same-sex marriage has been legal for a week. And, you know, we all thought the first weddings wouldn't be until January 9th, but it does turn out the first weddings are happening much sooner. So any couple who wants to marry in Australia, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, straight or gay, has to give one month's notice, meaning the first day that most same-sex couples will be able to marry will be January 9th. But you can get a waiver for this period of time if you have a good enough reason. So under the Marriage Regulations Act 1963, there's a number of circumstances under which the one-month period can be shortened. This includes things like work or travel commitments that stop somebody from attending the wedding, a serious medical condition, legal issues, or religious considerations. So this week, I spoke to Melbourne couple, 32-year-old Megan Stapleton and 30-year-old Stephanie Dyball. They've been together since 2011, and they're tying the knot on December 21. That's a date they picked over a year ago. And back then, they didn't imagine same-sex marriage would be legalized by that date, but they locked in a venue and decided to have a ceremony anyway. But because they had booked the venue and because Stephanie's family from London had booked flights from overseas, they were granted the waiver for the notice period on Tuesday and they can get legally married on Thursday. Mm. Now, since I published that story saying, you know, these guys could be the first, it turns out a couple of other couples have emerged who are getting married even sooner. The uh. Daily Mail has reported a lesbian couple is getting married this Saturday, while The Age Ooh. has reported on a couple getting married on Monday. So a few, uh. Uh, you know, it's not very many. We really are talking a handful of couples here. But yeah, either way, this is all happening much faster than the long notice period we thought everyone had to have. And before we move on in the fast five, just two fun facts, favourite of yours, Alice, I know yes. about Stephanie and Megan's wedding. Uh one, they picked the date because, well, Stephanie is English and Megan is Australian. And so they timed the wedding for Stephanie's family to come over and watch The Ashes uh, because they're big cricket fans. And, you know, it's a, it's another little meeting of, of Australia and England, which I think is very nice. Are and they going to hold
2: the reception in like with the Barmy Army?
4: I, I don't think so. I think Megan is a big cricket fan and then Stephanie a bit less so. So I don't know if cricket will kind of bleed into their actual <laughs> wedding, but it's kind of to do with the travel plans. It coincided nicely. So that's why they planned the wedding for this time of year. Um, and the second fun fact, Act. Their celebrant, Jason Twayson mcshane has had his own historical contribution to Australia's same-sex marriage debate. He and his husband, Adrian, along with another Melbourne couple, Jackie Tomlins and Sarah Nichols, and Jackie has been on the podcast before, were the two couples that prompted the change to the Marriage Act in 2004 when they attempted to have their Canadian marriages recognised in the Australian Family Court and were thwarted, Alice, by John Howard. Um,
2: John and- Howard! John <laughs> Howard! Who, fun fact, uh, Mm. young Liberals called GLA greatest living Australian. Fun fact about John Howard. (laughs) (laughs) That is really funny. I didn't know that. And number five, finally, for the last... Fast Five of the year. No, it's not Tim Wilson paying back DNA magazines he expensed last year, apparently just for the articles, Lane, not for the not for the pictures. Um, no, it's not that Joe Hockey and Greg Hunt are apparently still trying to refer their like hacks to the AFP. And it's not even that Erica Betts asked 85 government agencies for a copy of their Christmas messages that they sent out this year. It's just a quick roundup of other things happening in politics around the country. Let's start with Queensland now. As we know, Labor's Anastasia Palaszczuk won the Queensland state election and she's sworn in her cabinet with nine men and nine women. We have also gotten a new LNP leader in Queensland after Tim Nichols resigned following his election defeat, Deb Frecklington was voted in as the new leader. How awesome is that name, by the way? Frecklington? Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's the the new Slade Brockman, which is my other favourite name, who is a Liberal Senator from WA. So Deb Frecklington (laughs) is the new Queensland LNP leader, which means in Queensland there now is a female Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, a female Treasurer and Deputy Premier, Jackie Trad, a female Opposition Leader, Deb Frecklington, and a female Chief Justice, Catherine Holmes, which I think could maybe make... Queensland, the most progressive equality gender state, which is pretty exciting. Um, Also worth noting out of Queensland, uh, as she committed to during the election campaign, uh, Palaszczuk wrote to the PM this week exercising her veto power over any NAIF, that's the Northern Australia Infrastructure Facility, funding for the Adani coal mines rail line, but her government are still looking at scrapping native titles so the mine can go ahead. Now, quickly down to Tasmania. Now, could Tasmania, Lane be blowing up the pokies? Tasmanian's Labor Party says it will remove all poker machines from pubs and clubs if it wins government in the election, which is due in March. The $55 million package would see venues compensated for removing machines and will be phased in over five years. And then mm. finally... It's not really a state, but maybe it's like, you know, it's like a kind of like a state of Australia. I'm talking about New Zealand. O- across the ditch, Parliament has started debating legalising euthanasia this week. The Voluntary Assisted Dying Bill passed its first reading of 76 to 44 and has gone into committee stage. New Zealand next week will also look at helping access to medicinal cannabis for people with terminal illnesses and pain issues. Oh, and... Barnaby Joyce told New Zealand to back off after Jacinda Ardern once again said she would be happy to resettle 150 refugees from Australia's detention centres. And I think, that, uh, I, think, I think Australia's deputy PM, is, uh, get, he, he got a bit testy, got a bit hot under the collar and just said, hey, New Zealand, don't get involved yeah. in our border security, mate. That's yeah, an absolutely. issue for us even though I thought it was an issue for the PNG government. But anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. That's, okay. uh, that's the fast five for this year. It has been a long year in federal politics and here's how some senators described it to Tom Ballard on his Tonightly show on the ABC.
4: How would you sum up the year in the Senate in one word? Batshit crazy. Bat dynamic very
2: diplomatic i'll be that's good fantastic really yeah really for me for you for me i mean what about australia uh not so good for australia so to wrap up the best and worst of the year i'm joined by rob harris from the herald sun and michael cosiol from the sydney morning herald gentlemen welcome to the podcast hello merry christmas
6: Great oh, to be back, Alice. Happy holidays.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk first about the biggest story of 2017. What do you think the biggest one? one was it citizenship, same-sex marriage, Susan Lee? Remember that happened at the start of the year? Goodness.
5: Was that this year?
2: That was this year, yeah. Lordy. What Michael, what was the biggest story for you? I mean, you're on the same-sex <clears throat> marriage beat, so it probably was...
5: Well, it certainly marriage. felt like that to me. I think it is, really. I mean, you know, it's uh, from, a, from a purely social consequence point of view i mean you know it's probably the 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 issue that will make the most difference to people's lives at least you know um in the in the short term i mean i can't think of a bigger social change in the last 10 years um and politically as well you know for the government it's a huge it was an albatross around the government's neck it's now gone they can kind of move forward with clear air so i think on both counts that probably is but the there biggest will be story the Philip of the Ruddock
2: review that we'll have to deal yeah, with. Yeah,
5: that will be that. I look, I don't know. I, you know, I spoke to Philip Ruddock about it, and he's. I'm like, what's the point of this inquiry? And he said, oh, it's to put it beyond doubt that um, you know we're all good on religious freedom. I mean, if that's kind of the best you can come up with, that it's to put the status quo beyond doubt. I mean, I don't think. Yeah, there might be some people that kind of get a bit uh, uh, a bit antsy about it, but I, I don't really see it being a big deal. I think it's just sort of one of those things that was invented to kind of appease the right appease the right kick yeah. it into next year everyone will forget about it he'll get paid you know however <laughs> many tens of thousands you get for a few months work and, and then it'll all be hunky-dory
2: Rob what do you think what was your biggest story of the year uh, look I, I
6: do think same-sex marriage will be the longest lasting legacy of, of, of this year um, that will be remembered forever um, as a significant event um, I mean clearly probably the political story of the year has been the complete citizenship debacle um which has, I don't know if I've spoken to this personally, Alice, but it, oh, yeah. it's really just really infuriated me. It's Why been, is it infuriated well, you? Well, it, it's such a shit scandal. Like, it is really the most pointless scandal of all time and it's brought down a lot of good, decent politicians. It's brought down a few shit ones too. <laughs> but um, it uh, it's it, it was just been pointless and it's really annoyed me because it's been terribly bad for politics and the institution of politics and... Is if if politics wasn't trusted, you know, politicians weren't trusted anyway. I mean, this has only made it worse. And
2: well, there are new figures out from the OECD which ranks uh, how Australians are, how confident Australians feel in their government. And Australia's at 43%. Uh, is, Indonesia's is that, at eighty
6: two, high or low, yeah. Australia's
2: at forty three.
6: Um, so I, I just think you know, I, I think the whole Section forty four is ridiculous in in today's standards. I don't think that when Parks and Deakin et al were writing the Constitution, they had in mind John Alexander. Um, they probably had in mind Sam Dastiari, To be fair, um, if anyone should have fallen foul of Section forty four, it was Sam Dastyari. Um, uh, you know. Yes, they were careless. Yes, they didn't do their paperwork. Um, but it, it's just been a really shitty scandal and it's actually just really annoyed me.
2: And it's probably going to hang around for another six months yeah, or
6: so. Yeah, And, you know, I hope to God we change it. I mean, I hope to God we change, you know, Officer profit under the Crown. I mean, the fact that we're ruling, you know, teachers and doctors and, you know, people, you know, who work in local government who clearly want to make a difference to the country we're ruling them out of running in politics Mm.
2: which is the issue with jackie Lambie's potential replacement at the moment exactly you
6: know and I, i just think why you know surely we can you know the fact that it's in the constitution makes it incredibly hard to change but surely we can change it in some way to say hey you're a teacher you want to run for politics that's fine you don't have to quit your job and run the risk of never getting one again you know um maybe you just you know, I think we can change it because I think we're excluding too many people from democracy, and that's always a bad thing I
5: mean, if I were running the high court, um oh, yes. sadly I'm not I mean, I wouldn't you just say, all right, anyone with a citizenship uh, or a passport right does not have an allegiance to a foreign power mm. that's something totally different, a much higher bar, and then you just throw the whole thing out and say. You know, we've mm. reinterpreted it. I mean, yeah. that's what I would have done. Well, anyway, I think I, a lot that's of That's why the... I'm sitting here in some pokey office, not on the bench <laughs> of um,
6: the High Court. And, look, I think if anyone goes back and reads Sir William Dean's dissenting, um, sort of dissenting report, for for lack of a better word, in the Sykes Theory case, I mm. mean, he basically said along the similar lines, right, you know, that, you know, it's... A, you know, these people never had passports of their nation... Of this other nation. They, they never took part in the democratic process. They had no affiliation to these countries. The idea that they had some sort of allegiance to a foreign power was ridiculous. Now, I don't blame the High Court for the decisions they made. That's the judges that were appointed. That's the way they interpreted. it. That's fine. But let's change the law because the law is clearly a bad law and the law is clearly ruling Good people out of politics.
2: All right. Well, then let's move on to something else. What do you think was the biggest uh, either fail of the year or biggest backflip? I mean, obviously there was the backflip on the banking royal commission, which Bill Shorten has unfortunately termed a bank flip. I really be happy never to ever hear that well, word again. Well, of course, you know,
6: you know my view on backflips because when you actually you know make a backflip, you end up facing the same direction. Mm. Um,
5: but w- technically, they still do oppose the royal. Was it you who made this point the other day that technically they still? don't think it's a good idea. Well, that's so what he said they at a press conference. A
6: well, yeah, it is regrettable. <laughs> it is, <laughs> um, but necessary. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't know why they kept it going so long. I mean, clearly they were under pressure to, to do this a long time ago. They, they could have ripped off the Band-Aid. But,
2: but do you think that was the biggest the biggest fail of the government for the year? Malcolm's biggest Oh,
6: how do you... Um, I, I don't know. There's been quite a few. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, they look, he survived, right? Like, he, he got... Mm. Well, I mean... Pending Saturday And and if things go pear-shaped Saturday It really could be all over for him Um, But they have survived I think, you know The fact that only one Liberal MP On the floor of Parliament voted no uh, Really you have to look at In the fact that You know, it wasn't too long ago Two or three years ago When the MPs in in favour of same-sex marriage uh, Were in the minority in the party room And then you had, you know, Mm. come to vote It was only one It was a monumental political victory In that sense for them Um, And for Malcolm as well, who, who everyone said he couldn't do it and he got it done. You know, we, we might not like the method they use, but they got, they got there in the end. So, um, yeah, look, there's been a lot of bad politics from them, um, but I think there's been a bit of good policy and, you know, they've got a clear year next year. Maybe that's a bad thing for them because who knows what could go wrong. Um, but uh, they've got through the year and that's probably, I, I think, would he take getting through the year? In February, when we had Susan Lee and we had the first news poll blowout to 45-55, he would have taken Well, it.
2: people always joke about when killing season is. But I always thought, you know, that quiet patch at the start of the year, you got a lot of clear room to break a story and really drag someone down.
5: Well, wasn't that when uh, when Simon Crane first blew himself up, of course, <laughs> uh, going in into bat for, yeah. for uh, Kevin Brighton? He then... didn't read
2: his text messages, I think. Yes. So, Michael, what was your biggest hmm. fail of the year?
5: Oh, the biggest fail. I mean, I think... Uh, I was going to say that the the banking stuff, I mean, the, which, I mean, it's not really a fail because in, in a sense, most people want it. I mean, the Banking Royal Commission is a very popular policy, mm. so they've kind of caved in to something that people actually probably think is quite all right. Mm. Um, so it's a backflip, but probably not a, a fail from that point of view. Um I mean, I think, we, you know, not to be too overly positive about um, the government, which, as we've just said, is, you know, occasionally stuffs up the politics to a monumental degree. But, you know, it's going back six months now that they got that school funding stuff through, which no one said. I mean, Malcolm Turnbull likes to always kind of chastise reporters, especially for saying, you know, oh, no one thinks I can ever get anything done. Like, you know, you keep telling me I'm never going to achieve anything, and now I've done all this stuff. Yeah, the school funding thing. To was... be
2: fair, he said that about the plebiscite and the media was correct. He did not yeah, look, have the numbers to get the plebiscite up. That's, that's true. Um,
5: uh, but, uh, you know, by, by the same turn, he would turn around and say, well, look, you know, earlier in the year, no one remembers it now, but we got the school funding stuff through.
2: And media law reform was a big deal they passed through this year as that's well. That's true. I mean,
5: that's been kind of on the books for, what, a Two decade? Years. Yeah. I mean, not from, yeah. from, uh, from a, a multi-party point of view. Um, I mean, some of the stuff that, like, let's uh, some of the stuff in industrial relations has been pretty bad. Uh, I mean, there's the McCallum stuff, uh, McCallum Cash stuff that that you, Alice, uh, unearthed, which you know, kind of in the wake of the citizenship furor and these by-elections, kind of has dropped off a bit. But like, you know, that that was pretty bad. Uh, before that, the resignation of Nigel Hatchkiss, like the the head of the uh, of the construction watchdog that the government set up. Having to quit because he himself breached industrial law. I mean, that's you know, it's not the sexiest kind of issue, but it's pretty bad. I don't know what people would kind of think about the government's year at home. I mean, looking back on it, I think uh, it. I guess it's hard not to be coloured by the recent kind of success on on marriage equality. I don't know. I don't know what people would make of
6: no. this year. Well, it's, you make your own luck. I mean, clearly they have had some bad luck in the sense of when they passed the schools thing, even when same-sex marriage vote got up. Um, the, the the postal survey not the thing um not the uh, actual vote in parliament but within days you had another scandal taking away any sort of good air that the government had to prosecute that so you can obviously argue that you make your own luck but they have he has had a bad run, run of luck but things have things have changed a bit lately i think with with the way labor handled sam Dastiari. what you could argue perhaps one of the biggest mistakes of the year was the fact that that Sam Dastyari had a job for Bill Shorten to sack him from, you know, like he, he came back after what, four or five months?
2: On the backbench, yeah. On the
6: backbench, you know, so um, why on earth... Although was there,
2: was, there was a lot of talk that a uh, deputy whip in the Senate was a front bench position. Well, I
6: mean, it, it is if you want it to be, isn't it? So, <laughs> well, you
2: do, you do get a bigger office, a, yeah, that's true.
6: Exactly. So, um, you know, clearly the way they handled that wasn't great. Um, clearly, the, I think the way I think
2: Well, do you think Bill Shorten's easy run is over? He's had kind of six months of of uh, government and greens kind of stuff ups to to kind of elevate him as maybe the the next potential prime minister, but then Sam Dastiari and and the last two people referred to the to the High Court were Labour MPs. Do you think that his easy run is over for now?
6: Well it was interesting. I, I I just I've just recalled one day which um which was when Scott Morrison couldn't even successfully prosecute that Bill Shorten would lift tax by $100 billion. Um, they had dropped out a report that they'd called PBO modelling, and by 10 o'clock that morning, uh, Labor was saying, oh, you're politicising the PBO, and their whole argument was... A- and then basically Morrison was forced to admit that, well, it was the based... The PBO
5: came out and said, well, this is not yeah, nothing yeah. to do with us. it was
6: based on PBO figures, but they'd extrapolated it themselves for four years, and then their argument was shot by 10 in the morning, and uh, Bill Shorten didn't even have to... Well, he couldn't deny that he was going to lift taxes by $100 being because it was right. But uh, but they were able to uh, completely get away from um, a hit like that. And I thought at that stage, God, if they, if they can't even prosecute that, then they're totally cooked. Um, I think that was the same day Barnaby later on came out and said, I'm a Kiwi. Um, so that probably didn't even work anyway. It might not have even worked had they got it right. But... Um, there were there, there have been some terrible political stuff-ups. But, um, yes, Bill Shorten has been Teflon in, in the sense that he's been able to manoeuvre um, a lot of these attacks and distract... A bit more
2: Stephen Bradbury than maybe Cathy Freeman. Yeah,
6: perhaps. Um, but, yeah, perhaps. You know, it doesn't always go your way and it was always going to come back to him a little bit of heat. Um, I'm sure... I think he'll be able to survive it, but... Um, it's probably about time the, the the wheel turned in that sense.
5: Labor's got a few problems, I reckon, because you know not only do you get the feeling the government's a bit kind of reinvigorated now, but their policy, Labor's policies, are falling like flies. I mean, same-sex marriage done, uh, banking royal commission—that's already happening. Uh, and you know, it's all very well and good for Labor to say, "Oh, well, hey, you know, they're uh, they're adopting our policies," but you might as well vote for us because we're the real deal. When people generally don't really like Bill Shorten. They seem to prefer Malcolm Turnbull. It's kind of hard line to prosecute. So, I don't know, they're going to have to think of something in the well, new it's year it's to pe- It's to just differentiate penalty rates themselves. at the moment, isn't
2: it? Penalty rates and health and education yeah. spending.
5: and that, you know, against a second-term government may get them across the line. Although
2: you you, you do the immigration beat. Mm. Uh, it was interesting to see that Labor kind of, uh, when they were doing the evacuations on, on Manus, came out and said maybe... We should let New Zealand take some people, mm. which was, you know, probably the strongest move that they've made on immigration since they've left office. Yeah. Because, and as I always like to say, Shane Newman who?
5: <laughs> well, yes.
2: has, he, has he ever given a press conference this year? It's Labor's shadow, shadow immigration,
5: immigration is a non-existent <laughs> portfolio, basically. The, uh, they're
6: really between a rock and a hard place on this, right? And me. I think this will play out with David Feeney, where we'll probably have a by-election in uh, Batman early next year. Um, and the liberals won't run because it's a by-election, um, and basically liberal preferences have saved David Feeney in the last two elections there. Um, so you won't be able to get them this time. And without doubt, as we saw in the Northcote by-election in the state, um, in the state, ele- uh, the state by-election down there, it will be a ref- the Greens will run a referendum on every right-wing Labor policy they have, and it'll be Manus. They'll probably. Uh, you know, Adani featured in the Northcote by-election. Mm. I'm sure they'll feature it <laughs> yeah. on that, you know. Why not? Um,
2: Just throw every issue in you can think so about it, Electricity prices, well, this, council the, rates. Exactly. <laughs> the, no,
6: but uh, I think, Who you collects know,
2: your bins? They, the Greens will Palestine. clearly...
6: The, the <laughs> Green, well, Australia Day is the other one mm. that will be coming. Oh,
2: especially in that and area. And uh, my prediction
6: yeah. is Australia Day will tear Labor apart at some stage. I don't know when it'll be. They'll probably dis- be disciplined That's enough. That's actually going to be great. They'll actually be disciplined (laughs) enough to not do it perhaps at their next national conference before the next election. But there will be a time where Australia Day pulls them apart, tears them apart. And I think, you know, we may see that run a little bit in the um, Batman by-election. We'll certainly see Manus. um, And I think, you know, that is the problem that Labor have got. You know, they've got to not only hang on to these suburban seats, Western Sydney seats, what we see, socially conservative people... They've also got a hold on these inner city seats. It's but will they tough.
2: bother running David Feeney again? Do you think if they go to a by election?
6: Um, I think I don't know. Is my thing? Mm. My sense might be that David Feeney might not go again if he does get ruled out. Um, but I think whoever they run is going to find it very very hard, and there would be a lot of people that say incumbency is the only thing they've got in their advantages in those seats. So. Um, we'll wait and see.
2: Who's who's had a better year? The Greens, uh, the Nick Xenophon team, or uh, One Nation? Well, Nick Xenophon
6: think? team's had a shock. They've finished. Um, I think the Greens have probably. Oh God, it's hard. Mm.
2: Um, well, you know, it's, it's One Nation didn't go as well as they had. Predicted in the Queensland election, Nick Xenophon has lost a or Senate... The WA or, election. They've lost two Senators, one, Nick himself resigned, and Sky Kokoschke-Moore got done under Section 44 for being a jewel. Um And, you know, there's question marks over Rebecca Sharkey in the lower house, so they could lose three out of the four of them mm. within, <laughs> the within a that few he months. The himself
5: has gone from the federal sphere, I think, pretty much signals the beginning of the end of the Nick Xenophon experiment. I mean, and that's his choice. I mean, he wants to be a power player in South Australia, yeah. which is great, you know. I, I good think- on him, but... Yeah, you're Goodbye right. Goodbye from uh, federal parliament, I, um, think.
6: I, I think. Yeah, you're dead right. Let's see how he goes in the next state election over there. it would be interesting to see. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the Greens... The Greens are the Greens. What can I say? I mean, and then they're there. They've got a few new faces. Um, they've got... One's uh, a
2: Democrat. <laughs> one's a
6: Democrat. Um, you know, they've got uh, Jordan Steele-John um, in in parliament, which uh, which, you know, represents a, a key demographic... Um, for a lot of Australians, not just the Greens, I would suggest. So, you know, um, I, I think they're continually evolving, but let's see whether they just remain. I, I think people flagged that Dinatari would sort of be a pragmatist and would sort of take the old Democrats' role and, and do deals. Um, they they tried, you know, there were pushes within the party even to accept a plebiscite at one stage and and, and also um, uh, the school's funding. Yeah. At the end of the day, they couldn't bring themselves to do the deal because they were too scared of the... Ramifications from, you know, Labour attack ads on them. So, uh, you know, they're still probably not in the position to be grown up, so I think they'll remain, you know, protesters.
2: Okay. well, let's talk about our winners and losers from the year. I I think everyone would agree that Dean Smith is probably one of the biggest winners. Uh, He was the person behind the uh, private member's bill for same-sex marriage that uh, turned into a cross-party bill. Um, uh, I would also like to throw up another winner. I think Matias Corman has been a bit of a, has been of a winner this year. You're giving me a negative face, Rob. Do no, you know no, no, no. I
6: just thought it's quite random, but anyway.
1: Oh,
5: look.
2: Well, I'm The mean, man he, behind the postal survey.
5: He, he's widely credited as being uh, their best... Or perhaps second best performing minister. Mm. I mean, uh, just in terms of competence. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah he actually no, no, he no. knows what he's doing. and He's a smart operator. He's not. The, he's not going to light up the room in terms. No, of, no, yeah, I don't think personality. But, but hey, uh, wibble, not wobble, his job. wibble wobble
2: wibble wobble jelly on a plate. Uh, yeah. yeah, but that
5: <laughs> he was does like, have
6: that one line. That's
5: true.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe no, he'll
6: I, have a new one next but year. Matthias I I last year uh, it
2: was the uh, economic girly man. This uh, year it was wibble wobble. I think
6: wibble wobble was last year, wasn't it? Ah, he brought it back the other day. Um I are your winners. I don't think about him basically because he does do his job really well and, mm. and continues to. Um, he is one of the most influential ministers in cabinet, no doubt about that. Um, he's very important to Malcolm Turnbull. Um, yeah, he's he's good. I just don't think about <laughs> him much. Sorry, um, I just spend a lot of time in the Senate. <laughs> I know you do. You're obsessed with it. Um, it's quite sad actually. Um, but uh, so winners, winners. Yeah, um, yeah we clearly, winners. Dean Smith was a great mm. winner of the year. Um, and you know, to an extent, Tim Wilson and Warren Inch and, and Trevor Evans and all those other guys. And I would also say George Brandis.
5: Uh, I what? mean, who you know uh, has wanted to get this done under his watch for a long time. Yeah, uh, was instrumental in in uh, number one, obviously drafting the bill that eventually became Dean Smiths, uh, and also uh, his office found the way through on the postal survey, a way of making it legal, which turned out to to be pivotal. They were really stuck for a few months there trying to work out what to do. I I totally
6: agree with you on George Brandis. I think, um, you know, I I think he may even be around a bit longer. I'm I'm not
2: totally convinced that he's going anywhere. Mm, There Um, are rumours that there's going to be a reshuffle in the next couple of days just because... Peter Dutton well, there, and there Bridget will be, McKenzie. There will be a reshuffle. So, do you know what Bridget McKenzie's uh, portfolio is going to be?
6: Um, I think it's up in the air at this stage. But
2: uh, any other winners? Uh,
6: the
5: any gays, any
2: any female the winners? There I say. The people who oh well no
5: then well some of them are female. I was going to say the you know, the gays.
2: <laughs> some of them are female. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Huge call, Michael. So No,
5: I was going to say uh, the the 54 people who have so far gone from Manus Island and Nauru, um, there are some families uh, on Nauru. I mean, kind of one of those sleeper issues that's always bubbling along, but uh, people have been stuck there for four and a half years and have finally gone, and I think... You know, conversely, the, the, some of the losers uh, of the year are people who are, are still stuck there, but hopefully that changes
6: in the new year if this uh, picks up a bit of speed.
2: Who's your biggest loser of the year, Rob? Uh,
6: Sam, Sam Dastiari. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I don't say that with a snigger or with, with any sense of satisfaction. I mean, I mean it's... Uh, I mean, we all like Dasher, right? I, I mean, I, I think every, every journalist will admit that they're fond of him because, you know, he talks to us, basically, and he says g'day, you know, um, and he's good company and uh, entertaining to hang around. But clearly he has completely botched any hope of, of a, you know, a, an important political career. Um, I don't think we'll see him back in federal politics again. And that's quite sad, because I think he's quite a talent. But he, Maybe
2: New South Wales politics. Perhaps,
6: you know. Um, but I think he's going to find it very hard to shake off everything that he's done. And I think a lot of colleagues feel betrayed by him, um, of his behavior. And clearly he, he got way too ahead of himself um, And, yeah, it's sad, but, I mean, clearly the fact that uh, he was still in parliament was untenable. And um, he really has to, uh, yeah, have a look at what he wants to do with his career, I'd suggest.
2: Now, the name of the podcast is Is It On? So knowing they're going to an election in the next 12 to 18 months, what do you think? Is it on?
6: Uh, Well, it will be definitely on if they lose on Saturday. It will be. Um, I, you know, he might survive the summer period. I mean... Keep in mind, they do have the capacity to bring back a party room to Canberra should Benelong go terribly bad. In December, No one's mean... going to want to do that in January, yeah. though, right? No, I mean, well, no but they, they could do it next week, clearly. Mm. It just depends how bad things are. Um, all indications are that they'll win and they'll take a win. A win is a win is a win for them in this situation. Um, and then if that's the case, he goes to the next budget, I would uh, suggest, and, and gets at least the chance to, um, to turn his fortunes round reshuffle. I don't think it'll be major. Um, I think some of the, uh, I'll get slapped down for this, but probably, I'm not going to name names, but you can make your own uh, assumptions. Some of the poor, poorest performing ministers have been some of the women in cabinet, but whether they're going to get uh, axed, I highly doubt it. Uh, I don't think there'll be huge changes, but who knows.
2: Mm, Michael, what do you think? Is it? Have you got any indication that it could be on?
5: I don't think it's on, but...
2: For Bill or for Malcolm?
5: Well, I was. Or for Richard just or for Pauline? Say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Who's, like, who's going to challenge Pauline? I mean, when your names <laughs> when you when your name is in the party name, uh, you should be pretty safe. But who knows? Uh, these are crazy times. Uh, Dean and Talia. Well, you know, you never know. I suppose in the Greens, they tend to they do all these things kind of behind closed doors, and mm. so one day they just have a meeting, and all of a sudden, it's, it's done. We've already worked it out, executed, <laughs> and there's someone else. Um, uh, I think. With the major parties, I mean, everyone says, "Oh, we don't, we don't care that much about the polls." But of course, the polls do dictate these things. If they do very badly in Benelong, maybe they just scrape well. Malcolm home. did
2: say this week that he should never have set the thirty news poll benchmark,
5: and yet he said it. And of course, people are, are going to be watching uh, for the thirtieth news poll. Tony Abbott has said that he'll have something to say about uh, Malcolm's little backtrack. On, on that
2: Well he's already done Two radio appearances <laughs> this week he Couldn't bring it up then
5: No Well he said he waited wait, wasn't right wait till after Ben Along yeah. So I think we need to see What happens there And what happens with The first polls Back in February You mm. know If that's a disaster Then It could very well be on But if it If it goes back to 50-50 If everyone's You know All of a sudden Gets a, a an in, injection of joy Over marriage equality And, and you know The summer of love uh, And it gets to 50-50 Watch out Bill Shorten, because Alba will be there, sharpening the knife. I think both leaders will
6: take them through to the next election. That's my prediction.
2: Well, gentlemen, please enjoy what Michael has now dubbed the Summer of Love, and we'll see you back in Parliament in 2018. Oh, must we? I suppose so. But, Lane, we couldn't wrap up. 2017 without one final round of
3: Gallery Whispers Gallery Whispers Where we whisper The gossip that we hear Around the corridors Of Parliament House Gallery Whispers Gallery Whispers uh, Lane, yes. do you want to go first? Okay
7: Alice David Littlebroud Who is a government MP And voted no same-sex marriage, he was one of four who did that. He loves to browse Facebook on his iPad during question time. And while much of his feed appears to be work-related or semi-work-related, he was spotted looking at a number of memes in the final week of Parliament.
3: Memes, Alice. Memes. (laughs) Gallery whispers. Gallery whispers. Now, Lane, Politicians get paid a travel allowance of over $200 a night when they stay in Canberra. But, gallery whispers, Green Senator Lee Rhiannon only pays $12.50 a night when she's here to sleep on a friend's couch and pockets the rest of the allowance. She sleeps on her couch lane on her couch! Gallery whispers! She's <laughs> a senator and she sleeps on her couch!
7: Gallery, gallery whispers. whispers! Gallery, gallery whispers! <laughs> Christopher Pyne was also signing Christmas cards during the same sex marriage debate, gallery whispers!
3: <laughs> Lane! Yes. Do you want to know an interesting gallery whisper? Yes. About our Deputy Prime Minister? Yes. He wears a Fitbit, as do many politicians. But Barnaby Joyce wears a green free Milo Fitbit like the ones you get in the packs of cereal. Gallery Whispers. Alice,
7: a very random whisper for you. An hour before the final vote on same-sex marriage, Bob Gatter suddenly walked out of the chamber and came back in a few minutes later unfolding a fresh handkerchief. Gallery Whispers.
3: (laughs) What?! You heard me. (laughs) Gallery whispers, gallery whispers. There was an episode of Utopia this year about lowering the line of what is considered Northern Australia to the top of South Australia. And apparently... A lot of national staffers are very upset because that was based off a real conversation <laughs> that happened in the Northern Australian Minister's office, Gallery Whispers, but but another, another utopia Gallery Whisper for you, Lane. Yes. Uh, a journalist in the press gallery told me that if uh, ministers aren't getting back to them with answers to their questions for stories, they threaten... To give information about them to Utopia, <laughs> to include in the show. Oh How's that go? A bit of, bit of blackmail, Gallery Whispers style.
7: Gallery Whispers, we the should do whispers. that. Gallery Whispers. <laughs> Alice, there are rumours that the Daily Mail. Yes, that's right. The Daily <sighs> Mail are looking to join the Canberra Press Gallery. Gallery Whispers.
3: Gallery whispers, gallery whispers. And Lane. Yes. Maybe we should stop whispering now.
2: What a bizarre way to end our 2017 podcast. Uh, you are off to Korea.
4: I am off to Korea, though feeling quite unwell this week, in case you all couldn't already hear that. So the long flight Please send your might.
2: plane tips to Lane. Your yeah. plane and your Korea <laughs> tips. Are you taking tips on, Oh, is your itinerary fully stocked? Um.
4: Well... I am, look, I I should confess, I've been a bit hopeless in organising this trip. I'm going with a number of friends who are more organised than me. So I I think we have things planned. Um, But I've just kind of been dragging myself through the last few months of the year. So I'm going to get on the plane and then (laughs) see what's what. Uh, What are you doing, Alice?
2: Me? Nothing. I am doing nothing. I'm just watching the by-election on Saturday and then uh, preparing for a long nap like a bear i'm going to go into hibernation and Good. hope that uh nothing interesting happens after my evo.
4: yes <laughs> well, well so alice <laughs> could i just say you deserve that long nap
2: <laughs> you deserve a holiday too lane okay <laughs> well i want to say a big thank you to our producer nicholas ray josh taylor nicola harvey richard james peter holmes and the whole pod team and the whole office at buzzfeed australia who have all helped us out with the podcast this year also we've never acknowledged them before but i think we need to thank dean nye and Caitlin Jinks from our sydney office who provided their voices in the opening theme they're the two that say is it on and uh I think they do it with uh, the most amazing amount of incredulity yeah. Uh, that you could ever possibly hope for. Yeah, they're very so believable. Thank you, Dean and Caitlin. Oh, I believe them 100%. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, a big thank you to Road Microphones for supporting the podcast. Uh, you can go to buzzfeed.com slash is it on or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app and leave a rating and review. Uh, we do talk about the news, but I think that a lot of the interviews that we've done over the uh, the last year um, are pretty are pretty timeless. Uh, Lane, do you have a favourite interview from the podcast this year?
4: Um, my favourite episode is the the episode directly after the result of the postal survey, where we spoke to mm. Dean Smith, Penny Wong and, and Janet Rice. Do you, what, what about you?
2: Uh, one of the ones I really liked was mm. the interview that you did with um, our favourite academic from the US Studies Centre, uh, whose name is Dave Smith, right? Mm,
4: yeah, yeah, about... Um, yeah guns About and gun, guns uh, in america yeah, yeah, yeah it
2: was after the the um the massacre in Los i thought that that was just really interesting um anyway so yeah we'll be uh we'll be going on holidays uh but we'll still be online so you can like you know <laughs> we're like, always online yeah or whatever um i want to say a really 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 humongous thank you to someone very special lane yes It's not you, don't worry. Um, Good. uh, Maybe we should say thank you to Mark DeStefano. Thanks to Mark. No, I want to say a big thank you to Kate Turner, who if you've been online this week, you might have seen a needlepoint that um, Kate made, which says... And a thousand blossomed, bloomed, and with a picture of a crocodile and the date that um, uh, Bob Katter said that amazing phrase, and she was kind enough to give it to me and Lane, and so we're going to hang it up and put it in pride of place in our office in Canberra, and that was really yeah. nice of Kate. It is the to nicest do that for us. It is just the nicest. I mean that that and the um, anonymous person who gave me the. Uh, the desk calendar of politicians with their pets, which I really like. So. Yes. Um, so many lovely okay, people. So, uh, I'm at Workman Alice on Twitter and she's at Lane Sainty on Twitter. I'm also on a, I have a personal Facebook page. Uh, I've I've got a Facebook page. You don't have a Facebook page, do you, Laino?
4: No, I don't. I No. Please don't at me on Facebook. <laughs> Um, but I, I enjoy your I page, Alice. you
2: all to find Lane on Facebook. No,
4: you don't. <laughs> um, I, I will immediately delete all requests. Um, so anyway, Alice, find, find us on Twitter, yes. find Alice on Facebook. Um, thank you so much to everyone who has listened throughout the year. We love you guys and, and we love hearing your feedback. Now, Alice, for the final time yeah. in 2017, I have to ask, is it on?
2: Well, I think it all depends on the result of the Bennelong by-election on Saturday. As Mm. Rob Harris said, you know, it's going to be... And the PM said himself, it is really a litmus test for leadership. All right, Lane, uh, that's it for the year. Okay, I'm going to miss you, Alice. All right, well, that is it for 2017. Hit us up online. We will catch you later. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, 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 bye.